Welcome to the Five Questions for a Field Service Expert podcast. This is the show for field service professionals where we dig into the big questions about field service delivery and management. Every episode, we ask a field service expert five questions that can help you do your job better. Well, today we have Nate Beckman for five questions for a field service expert. Nate is a senior business analyst at SafeLight Auto Glass. He was instrumental in launching SafeLight's uh, award-winning mobile field service app and the On My Way text program, which lets customers know when they can expect their technician to arrive to repair their windshield. Uh, before moving over to SafeLight, Nate was project manager at Limited Brands, home of Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret and other brands. And before that, he was developing CRM solutions for Accenture. So Nate has both broad and deep technical expertise in field service management. Welcome to Five Questions, Nate. We're glad to have you. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Thanks. Good. Very well. Very well. Thank you. Yeah. So, Nate, your expertise lies in actually across a range of, of areas. And the questions we have for you today are, are sort of grab bag. They're, they're, they're multifaceted. So I uh, wanted to put these in front of you and get your take on this, like we do for all of our field service experts uh, on five questions for a field service expert. And uh, let's get rolling with the first one. What do you say? All right. Yeah, let's go. Cool. So I know you're a strong advocate for uh, ensuring apps that you deliver solve customer needs just as, as effectively as they can. Tell us a story about an app that you helped create that uh, that went right to the heart of solving customer problems. Sure. So uh, at SafeLight in 2007, we introduced an app. Uh, we call it MRM, but it is basically a mobile uh, field application for the technicians that are out in the field. We have a fleet at the time of it was around 2,500 technicians. It's grown to being over 6,000 technicians now, and they needed a way to be able to change some of the work order on the fly, to be able to take payment on the fly uh, right there with the customer instead of you know, calling in a credit card, things like that. And our dispatching group also needed better visibility to who was where and, and to the progress of the of work orders. And that's what MRM really gave us. Uh, it, it allowed us to have a higher visibility um, within the entire field service operation, um, also helped to drive a consistent process, you know, so that things were, were done in the right order, so that all the activities that we expect are uh, completed for each customer, and that really helped to drive the customer experience. We went from an NPS of around 73 to up to uh, 87, with the advent of, of this mobile app. And uh, it, it really kind of was the foundation for bringing us into, I would consider the modern era of, of uh, mobile apps and, and, and field service from a technology perspective. That is an incredible increase in, in, in your net promoter score from 73 to 87. That's, that's remarkable. N nice work on that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's not, <laughs> I surely didn't uh, contribute much of that. It was, it was definitely, you know, the technicians in the field being more mindful of um, the kind of customer service that we were trying to, to deliver. I think, again, the, the platform really helped to 
guide technicians and and allowed us to change that as we went forward. You know, the needs and expectations of customers change. Um, it allowed us to adapt to that. Um, things like what you mentioned with on my way text. You know, that really isn't possible unless we have a, a smartphone solution to, from which to start. And um, eventually, customers not only expect to know when you're going to be there, but they also, uh, as of the last three or four years, want to be able to watch you drive your van all the way to uh, to the location, the service location. So we've implemented that as of last year, where there's kind of a, a tech tracking tool where you can watch a little SafeLight van drive to you if you if you so choose. That makes sense. I guess Uber has trained us in, the, in that regard. So sure um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious to know. So obviously adoption is key um, and and uh, usability is key. Talk to us a little bit about some of the ways you've gathered input uh, from your users or from your expected users when you're designing uh, and deploying uh, solutions for, for the field. We started in a, in a user first way. So we brought in um, technicians from all over the country representing different different geography groups. Um, we have both repair and replacement uh, specialists in our, in our company. So we brought those all in. We probably had a 12 to 15 tech kind of um, mini summit where for two days we just asked them all about their, their prior process and then said, you know, what would you love to be able to do? So that gave us a really strong start. Um, obviously, we can't implement everything that they that they dream of, but we at least got a chance to, to really listen there and then go to kind of the architectural stage and see what was going to be able to be um, to be implemented from that perspective. Beyond that, there's lots of things that that we do operationally to make sure that they're still dialed in. Um, you know, we survey our technicians, and um, I I started let me think probably three years ago with about a five to seven question survey that would go to all technicians out on their smartphones. I didn't want to bug anyone, you know, all that too, you know, too frequently, so. I set it at six months per person, but I split the survey pods into two. So essentially every quarter, I was getting survey data back. And you can kind of tweak the some of the questions in the survey, but I would always keep some of those first two or three questions consistent. So I would ask, for instance, how would you how would you rate the day-to-day -day reliability of the app you know and that allowed me to get a uh, an answer to a feeling that they have about us but then still scale it you know on a one to ten scale and track performance you know quarter by quarter so i think that really helped to drive the message home that we're listening and that if that those figures uh, were starting to go in the wrong direction, that we would be able to take corrective action. 
so I, that that's great insight. So I assume thanks for a couple of uh, you know uh, tips on, on the actual questions you were asking and how you 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 track that that trend over time. I assume that um, you know once the app is in the technician's hand, there's obviously a lot of uh, changes and enhancements that would go on based on that feedback. Um, but tell tell us staying on this sort of the same on this same um, path for a moment. How are some of the the ways you've ensured your techs are going to adopt the the features you've deployed either in the first place before the app is actually in production, or um, using that feedback? How do you ensure that they're actually going to you know going to latch on and and stick with what you've uh, deployed as an update? Right. Well, I, you know, it, it kind of goes back again to including them in the in the design process in the first place, but then closing that loop, when you put something in that someone has suggested, um, we actually include a thank you almost in the in the release notes. We don't necessarily name the person who came up with the suggestion. You know, a lot of times uh, suggestions will come in by two, five, ten people at a time, um, or, or multiple people will make the same suggestion. But if something makes it all the way through, we like to say, that this feature was suggested by, you know, a repair specialist, or this this feature was suggested by a dispatcher, or something to that effect. Um, really want to reflect that that this is a partnership. You know, I know in some companies there's kind of a, a corporate versus field. Um, I don't know antagonism or something. I, I don't feel that at SafeLight at all. I think there's uh, a lot of mutual respect. And um, I, for one, as, as one of the, I've had the experience of working both in the field at SafeLight as a corporate trainer, where I would go from store to store to spend time with the store managers and technicians and dispatchers. Um, and then I've spent, you know, plenty of time in, at the corporate office as well. So I've had a nice, kind of a unique perspective on that, and um, I can say that with with confidence, it's really a um, it's a lot more productive when you work in that kind of a partnership. Um, I would also say that reporting can help when you're talking about trying to monitor change, encourage certain behavior, but we found it needs to be at least weekly. Okay, so monthly reports or quarterly reports were just not fresh enough, not frequent enough for our store managers to really affect any change. So those would be some of the things that that I would say really work for us. Nice. It sounds like a really good egalitarian environment where you know you've got people who are on the front front lines uh, doing what they do best and then and then metabolizing that feedback it's a good effect right you, you're, you're certainly I imagine improving with 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 improving numbers like your NPS score and others um, you know you're, you're doing a lot right let's let's pan pan the camera out for a minute and move away from you know app adoption uh, and tech productivity and, and talk about a little bit about market dynamics or or even even um, customer dynamics. How, how have how has SafeLight adapted to, to the changing, you know, automotive market, customer demands, workforce dynamics in the, say the last couple of years? You can go as far back as you'd like, and and then what kind of issues, given the fact that you're in this in this market where automobiles themselves are evolving 
<laughs> as quickly as any any consumer product, it would seem. Um, what are you What are you grappling with right now? Yeah, I mean, there's always uh, the rate of change seems to always be increasing, right? Um, I would say probably 2015, 2016, um, end of 2015, beginning of 2016, we really took a look at our dispatching model because that was um, and probably remains as as a real um, focal point for the field. But even uh, I would even say a pinch point because uh, so many technicians rely on that dispatcher to both build uh, a successful route, but be avail available throughout the day to help to continue to adapt as you know the tech runs into traffic issues, the customer calls in with changes uh, to the schedule, or uh, things like that. There's plenty of uh, things that can get in the way, as anyone knows, um, you know, of, a, of a technician's day. Um, field service is really tough when it comes to that. But we looked at trying to build a, I would say, a tool with data that we already had that would provide sort of a dashboard look. Our, our dispatching software um, did not have like a Gantt chart to it. So we applied, you know, some of the knowledge that we had about things that the dispatchers didn't yet have um, and gave them uh, a new, and, and dispatchers and store managers as well, a brand new look at, at today's data. So we didn't really focus on tomorrow. We didn't look at, you know, historical data. We said, just for today, what could we do? to help them manage all the change that's going on. So in that tool, we gave them the ability to see clock in and out info, and that would overlay uh, on top of each technician's route for the day. It would overlay their, their work orders um, in, the, in the sequence in which they, they had them. Um, that helped dispatchers predict who was gonna be late to an appointment, who was running on time, that sort of thing. And it would also show them immediately which jobs were being done out of sequence. So our dispatchers are more the people who have the ability to um, call those customers who, for whatever reason, weren't done in the in the right order or were, were skipped over for uh, for the next customer. A lot of cases that's because you know the customer wasn't able to actually get the work done that day. They had something come up. We were able to retain those customers, but the dispatchers and, and other folks in the field call them up, keep those customers in the system, maybe reschedule them a little bit faster. And that helps to uh, really improve the situation for everybody. You know, the technician doesn't have lingering jobs on their order all day long that they aren't sure, you know, how to necessarily handle. It allows them to really focus on the customers that they uh, are servicing. And, you know, at the same time, from a macro level, you know, we have a more accurate handle on today's capacity and what, what's available. We can bring in more work and customers get rescheduled faster. So that tool really helped. Um, I would also say we looked at ways to allow the field to do a little bit more of their own scheduling as opposed to... Um, 
or I should say that the store locations could do their own scheduling as opposed to kind of the centralized dispatch model, which really exists um, in all of our markets for the mobile work. But we said the in-shop work, we know that the, the stores themselves know how to handle. So I know maybe not all the listeners have both you know, in-shop and mobile to handle. Uh, it is something that exists within, you know, within the SafeLight world and giving that um, flexibility and that autonomy back to the, to the store locations is something that uh, they really appreciate. And that also at the same time provided lift to those dispatchers lets them focus on the mobile work that, that is so important. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a balance, it's, it's a balance, right? Between, you know, sort of decentralizing and empowering and then also sort of mandating and, and enforcing th that notion of, you know, consistency, customer experience, but then also, you know, top line and 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 uh, and revenue and these types of things that you got to sort of strike a balance between. That's very true. Um, and actually, you, you mentioned revenue. That made me think of another kind of larger program that started last fall that we're really just bringing to life now uh, in, in quarter one, which is on the fly sales. Essentially, uh, we. Uh, of, of certain items, of items that, that don't need scheduling. So in our world, that would mean um, wiper blades, glass cleaner. So these are these are kind of, if you're at the grocery store and you're checking out, these are the things that right in the, the candy bars and the magazines that are, that are they're ready to buy right as you're going out, the, the impulse buys. Um, in our case, they're very aligned to the safety of the of the driving experience, you know, better windshields or better uh, windshield wipers that you have, uh, the more clear clearly you'll be able to see down the road. Again, glass cleaner, same concept, and um, it was a it was kind of something that grew from the field that we listened to. You know, customers loved our glass cleaner. It's something that we would always do at the end of our work, no matter what. If you did a repair or replacement, we always would we always do clean glass and customers were asking to buy this item and it was really like a supply item like <laughs> we we didn't have the ability to to buy it uh, plenty of technicians just kind of uh, would hand off their supply item and say sure you can you can just have this but we thought this is something that I think a lot of customers would appreciate um, it's it's safe light branded it made sense to figure out how technicians could add that to the work order and then even be um, credited for the sale and credited for the installation of the wiper blades. So may sound simple to just to be able to add those items at the end of the at the end of the of the line, but it certainly wasn't. Um, but we, that's something that's going to be moving out to to all markets here uh, by the end of quarter one. So we're excited about that. That's a classic example of of. <laughs> of your of empowering your field tech to to not only you know delight the customer but also suggest product enhancements and and expanding the portfolio of service offerings ultimately as little as little as it may seem or as small as it may seem you know glass cleaner uh, like you said you've got a lot of brand durability there and, and if that was the experience that was the last sort of emotional you know um, connection they had with your brand and then you you're able to carry that on with with a with a bottle a spray bottle that's that's awesome. That's, what what a great what a great innovation. It it is, and 
you have to get those exactly right. You know, there's a, we definitely had the internal debate, you know, do we want to, or what does it say about our technician? How does it change our customer's impression of us as a brand and of our technicians specifically when we have them offer something to sell? You know, it, as opposed to being a technical expert, you know, now that, that's a little bit different approach, but it just made so much sense to us. Um, and it is a, an additional service offering that we couldn't, we couldn't say no. It really um, made sense. And, and in the tests, it actually increased the NPS. So at that point, we knew that our customers were telling us this is the right way to go. Excellent. Excellent. Last question of the five. Uh, we've, we've, come, we've come to that, that final question, and this is you pulling out your crystal ball. This is you having been uh, you know, a field service uh, practitioner for some time, not a technician, but somebody who's sort of understanding the pulse of, of what your techs will need out in the field. Um, you probably have the, one of the best vantage points within SafeLight to understand uh, where the market is going. So if you had to you know, look into your crystal ball, where do you see field service management going in the next, let's say, three to five years? Hmm. Well, my, my crystal ball is actually a, a magic eight ball. You know, those those kinds that you shake, you kind of just ask <laughs> a question. And, you know, signs point to uh, signs point to Uber and Lyft, as you mentioned earlier, um, changing the expectations. And that part's already, it's already happened, really. Changing the expectations for customers out of mobile, you know, service providers. Um, and, and the tech tracking app is, is part of that. I think some of the things that also are offered though through, through those services and others like it are smoothing out the payment process. So this could be the customer choosing ahead of time, you know, the card they're going to use and, and maybe it's entering their credit card number ahead of time so that the service provider can really um, focus on the work at hand and not be distracted or bothered by having to ask for money. You know, it's, it's there's that human component of being able to just simply fix someone's issue, not without the burden of asking for money. It's an awkward thing. It's a it's a it's a social thing. It's a it's a personal thing that. Um, we love to be able to get to, I think, where our technicians are seen as simply the service provider and the, uh, excuse me, the uh, whole handing off of, of payment is is handled in, in a different place and, and more really at the customer's convenience. Um, so at SafeLight, I see and increasing complexity in the type of work that we're doing in a couple different ways. We're going to be offering different services, um, that, and especially the te technology that comes with windshields is becoming, you know, more and more robust. There's lane departure warnings. There's automatic braking, and most, if not all, of these types of safety systems are calibrated through cameras which we impact when we do a windshield replacement. I think in field service in general, this is going to be true. Things that you may not have expected to be able to do 
in the past are going to be uh, an expectation and in the future in terms of what you can do on on the road on the fly and that's where that is going to change the obviously the routing process the scheduling process everything upstream from that is also uh, impacted you know obviously the more autonomous we can make our field service associates the more they can handle the job on the spot the happier they are and the happier the customers are but that's going to require you know more tools more skills for for them in their truck um, and and that's going to require more training i think it's going to continue to be the challenge for field service organizations to keep their associates autonomous um, and not have them necessarily rely on, let's say, um, you know, a video training module, which maybe they can now access on their phone. It's great that they can access that, but we're going to need to uh, be able to make sure that they can still handle most of the work without always referring back to something else um, in the first place. I do think I do think that I will, I will I guess tweak that with mobile video support is something I see as becoming standard within about five years. So that's where you've got an expert in a seat somewhere and a you know maybe a novice or somebody who needs guidance out in the field. Uh, being able to pull up uh, a panel, show it to somebody who's, you know, remote and have a, a live video conversation about it uh, and, and solve an issue. So I, I do think that's something that, that is coming very soon. But um, anyway, that's what I would guess. That makes a lot of sense. I, I appreciate those predictions. It's always hard. It's always hard to, to you know, make those make those predictions authoritatively. But based on, uh, you know, the fact that you have a tremendous volume of of work being done at Safe Flight every day, frankly, around the country, uh, I would imagine you, you know, there's probably no one better to ask where it's going than you, knowing that you've got that that high volume of of activity happening. Well, look, Nate, thank you so much for for answering our five questions for a field service expert. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. No problem. Thanks a lot. Let's do this in uh, 2021 and see how I did. <laughs> I love it. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. For more expert views on field service, subscribe to the Mobile Reach blog at mobilereach.com.